Alrighty, what's up everyone? How are we doing tonight? We doing good? Heck yeah. As Pastor Mateo said, I'm Nate Workman. I'm coming to you guys from the western part of the state. Anybody know where Delta Colorado is at? Yeah, West Slope, Best Slope, let's go. I love that place. Um, it's so beautiful over there. We got mountains, we've got rivers, and you can literally do any outdoor activity you want within like five minutes of our house. It's the greatest thing ever. But dang, Colorado Springs, you guys, it's, it's sick here. I love it. Give me some noise if you love living here in Springs. Man, me, and my, me and my wife this morning, we woke up and we looked outside the window to see those beautiful mountains. Those things are awesome. This place has always had a special part um, in my heart. I love it here. It's a beautiful spot. As me and my wife have talked about just places we'd want to live in our life, this has always come up as a place we'd want to be. And speaking to my wife, I want to show her off a little bit. So if you could throw that picture up. That's my beautiful wife, okay? I know it's like every youth pastor's favorite thing to say, my smoking hot wife. Can you blame me? I can't, like, how can I not say that, okay? But anyways, uh, Lauren and I are so blessed and honored to be here with you guys tonight. Um, we're super excited just to just dive into what God has. And um, yeah, we're pumped. So you guys ready to do this tonight? Ready to dive in? Let's do it. Sweet, sweet. So you guys have been going over this Alpha and Omega series, correct? How many of you guys have enjoyed it? Has it been a good series? Yeah. Um, I've been taking the time to listen to all the podcasts over the last couple weeks, just preparing for tonight. Um, it's been awesome to see what God is doing here at your guys' youth group, um, how he's just revealing himself of who he is from beginning to the end, that he is the Alpha and the Omega. And so tonight, can we do one thing? I just want to take a second and just sit in awe of God and of who he is. Can you guys say this with me? Can you say, God is amazing? Can you say that with me? Ready? God is amazing. And just let's sit in that for a second. Just sit in the awe of who God is before we get to hop into his word tonight. Alrighty, alrighty. So tonight I get the pleasure to talk to you guys about this amazing idea of an attribute of God and a name that God has. And it's the idea that God is a God that sees, okay? So I want to ask you this. Have you ever been waved at by someone who actually wasn't waving at you? You're walking down the hallway, you're having a bad day, and someone waves at you. Maybe it's a cute boy or a cute girl. And in your mind, you start thinking of like pickup lines. You're like, man, did you fall from heaven because you're the only 10 I see? And you're like, no, that's not how it goes. You're like, start freaking out, right? And the person's getting closer and closer, and you're still waving. You're trying to make eye contact with them. And they get up to you, and they keep walking right past you. Anybody ever had that happen? You turn around, you look, and you're like, oh, that was their best friend right behind me. Dang it. It's, those are the most awkward moments I think any of us can feel, right? But what's so awkward about this is you feel invisible in that moment, don't you? Because then you realize you're like, oh, that person was trying everything in their power not to make eye contact with me as they were walking by. But I want to ask you guys, have any of you ever just maybe felt invisible? Have any of you ever felt maybe that you weren't seen? That people were looking right past you, even though you were right there. You were right there in the middle, trying everything you could to be seen. And no matter what you did, people were just looking right past you. Anybody ever felt that before? Just invisible in our world. I saw this video on Instagram Reels the other day. This magician, he uh, takes all these actors into a park. And he sets them up in this like amphitheater type thing. And what they're doing is they're making people disappear, okay? So they start grabbing random people off the street, come put them in the chair. And he throws the blanket over them. And then he's like, all right, abracadabra, you're gone. And then all the actors that are in the park there, they all make this person actually think they're completely invisible. Anybody ever seen that video? 
that these people are sitting there, they're like freaking out because they think that they're invisible. We have like two very different reactions. We have some people who are like doing weird, funny things because they think they're invisible. They start jumping around, like dancing, making weird faces. But then we have some people who take it so hard because then they're like, I'm invisible. No one can see me. And they start freaking out. They start screaming and dance or yelling and like trying to get everyone's attention. They're like, I'm right here. Can't you see me? I'm right here. And I feel like a lot of us have maybe been like that in our life is, I'm right here. I just need someone to see me. And tonight, I want us to look at a passage starting in Genesis. So if you guys got your Bibles tonight, grab out your phones, your Bibles, your notebooks, we're going to be getting into this. But we're going to be looking at a girl who felt so unseen by the people that were around her. She felt so unseen by the people who should have been showing her who God was. But she felt like no one even cared for her, that no one even knew her name. And I feel that so many of us are going to be able to relate to this story tonight. That maybe we just are invisible. Maybe that's to our classmates. Maybe that's our families. How many middle children we got in the room tonight? We love you guys. You guys are awesome. Middle children are the best. I will say that. Yeah, who said that? I'm right to you. I got you, Pastor Vic. How many of you guys possibly even feel invisible here tonight? And it's, that's a hard reality is even in the places where we feel like we might be comfortable, we sometimes feel invisible. And so tonight, I'm so excited to talk about one of my favorite attributes of who God is that we see all the way from the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture, and that he is a God that sees. We serve a God that sees. And I know that can sound cliche, and we probably heard it all the time, but I am so excited to dive into this to see what God truly says about how he sees each and every single one of us here tonight. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we just invite your presence in right now. We invite you into this place, and we give you all the glory and all the honor. You are worthy of our praise, and we are just so excited that we get the opportunity to be here tonight and to dive into your word and see what you have for us. God, we pray that you open up our hearts, open up our minds for the great things you have for us. We just pray that as we're going through this, God, that you just reveal how you see us that you do see us as your sons and your daughters, and that you love us, God. So we pray that we're just ready to open, that we're open and ready to receive. We just invite you in. So we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, before we hop into our uh, main passage tonight, we got to do a little bit of time traveling, okay, to understand what's going on, okay? So we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 15 real quick, verses 2 through 5. We're going to head back about 10 years from our main passage, okay? This is what it says. It says, but Abram said, Lord God, What can you give me since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. And now the word of the Lord came to him, this one will not be your heir, instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, look at the sky and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. And Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So what do we got going on here, right? We got this moment between Abram and God, okay? And God comes to him. He says, hey, Abram, you're going to have many descendants. They're going to be as numerous as the stars. Anybody know how many stars there are? We don't know, right? There's a lot of them. There's like at least like 15, 20 out there. There's, There's a lot of stars, right? That's quite a bit. But there's something crazy about what God is speaking to him because when God tells this to Abram in our story, does anybody know how old Abram was at this point? Anybody got any guesses? 
Abram was about, he was 75 years old when God gives him this promise, okay? God's like, hey, you, you guys are going to have kids, and you guys are going to have many descendants, but up until this point, they're 75, and they have had zero kids, and they're getting up there. I don't know everything about life, but one thing I do know is I don't think they have too many baby showers in retirement homes, okay? So this is, I'm sorry, but they don't, okay? And so this guy is 75 years old, and God's like, hey, you're going to have a bunch of kids, and I, it's about to start, okay? And Abram's like, God, you're an amazing God. I trust you. I know what you got. Let's do this thing, okay? But then, like a decade goes by. A decade goes by, and Abram and his wife Sarai had still not had a single child. They have not experienced the promise that God had given them at this point yet. And they begin to doubt. They begin to doubt that their descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars, because as far as they're concerned, they don't got much time left. Have any of you guys ever doubted God in your life? Anybody ever been like, God, what, what are you doing? Like, you gave me this promise, you told me this, and I still don't see how it's going to happen, right? Yeah, I think we've all been there. And so this is where our main passage is going to pick up, so I encourage you guys, grab your Bibles, Genesis chapter 16. What happens is Abram and Sarai, they have this amazing idea to take things into their own hands. Let's see how this plays out, okay? Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, says, Abram's wife Sarai had not borne any children for him, but she owned an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave. Perhaps through her I can build a family. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and he gave her to her husband Abram as a wife for him. This happened after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan for ten years. And he slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. When she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contemptible to her, that meaning Sarai. And then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for my suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and when she saw that she was pregnant, I became contemptible to her. May the Lord judge between me and you. And Abram replied to Sarai, here, your slave is in your hands. Do whatever you want with her. Then Sarai mistreated her so much that she ran away from her. Oh, boy. What do we got going on here, okay? Anybody ever seen, like, in a movie or even our own lives, when we try to take things into our own hands, and there's just, like, absolute chaos and the worst thing possible happens, right? That's exactly what happens here, okay? Sarai, she gets this brilliant idea. She's like, hey, maybe my 80-something-year-old husband should go sleep with my slave, see if they can make some magic happen, and we can have a child, right? Yeah, it's crazy, right? We read this, and we're like, what in the world? Are you, are you kidding me right now? And then we see in verse 4, and their whole plan... It, it happens, right? So the slave gets pregnant, and this is, what, uh, this is what Sarai says. She says, he slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. And when she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contemptible to her. So Sarai, she's not too happy now. She's like, okay, now this slave is, has my husband's child. And you guys ever seen those videos where they're like, you are the father, and everyone goes like running around like crazy? Anybody ever seen those on Instagram? Yeah. I think they're the most funny things, but that's what's going on here. We got some family drama going on, okay? But this is where the story gets sad tonight, and this is where I really want us to focus in of what happens. See, Abram and Sarai, Abram and Sarai they begin to kind of argue, and they begin to kind of be like, hey, this was your fault. No, this was your fault, and they begin to kind of blame each other. But then Abram says this to his wife, Sarai. He says, Abram replied to Sarai, Here your slave is in your hands. Do whatever you want with her. Then Sarai mistreated her so much that she ran away from her. And how sad is that? Abram literally says to his wife, Hey, I want nothing to do with this girl. 
I know she has my child, but I, I don't want to see her. I want nothing to do with her. She's in your hands. This is your problem. Get her away from me, basically. Treat her however you want. And what happens? She runs away, right? This poor girl is literally just tossed away. She's not seen. She's treated horribly. She's not even seen for a person, but just as a slave. She can't take it anymore. She runs into the desert. It had to have been pretty bad for she was a teenage girl who's pregnant to run into the desert and be all alone, right? The treatment had to have been pretty bad. And she was all alone. She was hurt. She was unseen in this moment. And all that she wanted to do was run and hide and get away from it. I feel there may be some of you here in this room tonight that feel that way. Maybe the world dismisses you, that you feel unseen, maybe unworthy, like no one cares for you, and that you just want to run away into the desert, that you want to get away from it all, and that maybe if you were gone, no one would even care. No one would even see if you were gone. I'm here to tell you tonight that God sees you, and that we see this all through his word, that we serve a God who sees you individually, and I'm excited to see this. Let's keep going through this story. Let's learn more about the God that we serve, okay? Verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord found her by a spring in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she replied, I'm running away from my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. And the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring, and they will be too many to count. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, you have conceived and you will have a son and you will name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. This man will be like a wild donkey. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. He will settle near all his relatives. So she named the Lord who spoke to her, you are El Roy. For she said, in this place, have I actually seen the one who sees me? And that is why the well is called Birlahoroi. It is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave birth to Abram's son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. And I love this passage right here. As we see this young girl in the desert, alone and scared, and then God shows up. She was running away, felt like no one had seen her. And then God comes and calls her out by her name and says, Hagar. See, if we look back at uh, previous verses what did they call her by? They just said slave. This is your slave. She's a slave. No one called her by a name. Man, how sad is that? But God shows up and he's like, hey, I know who you are. I know that you're Hagar because I created you. I know who you are. I see you for who I made you to be. And it's this beautiful moment. And what does she say? I love this sentence. She says, in this place, have I actually seen the one who sees me? Let that sink in for a sec. That when no one else saw her, she says, God, in this place, have I actually seen the one who sees me? And we see this point where she gives God the name El Roy. Can you guys say that with me? You ready? Say El Roy. One more time. Say El Roy. Sweet. Anybody know what that means? What does El Roy mean? The God who sees. Heck yeah. I love it. El Roy. The God who sees. She gives God this name that we now know him by today. It's a name that encompasses one of his characteristics of a God that sees And so we have this sweet moment that she has with God, and she's feeling for the first time someone sees her. But what did God tell her to do? And this is important. This is where I want us to look at tonight. He tells her to go back where she came from, doesn't he? He says, back in verse 9, says the angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. And the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring, and it will be too many to count. What the heck? So God's saying, hey, I want you to go back to the spot where you were just 
treated that way. I want you to go back to where you were. I want you to go back to the spot where you felt so unseen and like no one saw you. And I want to present this tonight. I got two ideas for the way that God sees. And if you're taking notes, this is important, okay? The first one is that God invites us to see from a heavenly perspective. It's that God invites us to see things from a heavenly perspective, okay? So we have this moment where this woman, she's in the desert, right? We've been talking about that. She's alone. She's invisible. She doesn't see how her life matters. She doesn't see the plan that God has for her. She doesn't see a way forward besides to run away and get away from it. She doesn't see what's going on in her life. Well, what happens is that God shows up and he says, hey, I see you. I see you, Hagar. And he reveals himself to her and they have this moment, but there's something important that happens in this story is that God had to change the way that Hagar saw the situation. God had to come in and change her point of view, her perspective, and bring her into his point of view. See, we see over God that sees all things and everything. How many of us have maybe ever felt like, God, I don't see where you're working in my life. I don't see how I matter. I don't see what you're doing. I don't see how you're going to work in this situation. Anybody ever said something like that? This God, I don't, I don't see you. I don't see how it's going to work out. Well, what's so cool is God invites us to see things the way he does because sometimes our eyesight can be kind of blocked off by the circumstances we're facing. Maybe our emotions, the way we've been treated, right? Do you think, uh, sorry, Hagar, her eyesight was maybe a little blocked off from the hurt she had to seeing what God was maybe doing in her life? See, our thoughts and emotions can blind us, but God invites us into his perspective. See, I want to go over to Proverbs 5.21. This is one of my favorite verses. You guys have your Bibles. Proverbs 5.21. This is what it says. It says, For a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all of his paths. For a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all of his paths. So what happens here, right? God comes in and he says, hey, I know you're in a situation that's hard. I know it's a, it's a crappy situation, right? But I'm going to see a way through, and I need to bring you into the perspective of how I see you and how I have a plan and a purpose for you, okay? Genesis 16, verses 9 through 12, this is what it says. It says, the angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. And the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, You have conceived and will have a son, and you will name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. This man will be like a wild donkey, and his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will settle near all of his relatives. See, what God does is he pulls her into how he sees the situation. He says, Hey, I know it's hard, but I've got a plan for you, Hagar. I'm going to start a great nation through you. I'm going to, there's going to be an offspring that are going to be so greatly multiplied that you're not even going to be able to count them. See, in this moment where she's afraid, has this baby, thinks she's alone, God flips her whole perspective around. He shows her the plan that he has for her life, that she isn't worthless, and that she was going to make it through this circumstance. And when she didn't see how it was going to work out, God showed her what he saw in her specifically, in her situation, and how he was going to make a way. I want to encourage you guys all tonight that God does not see you the same way that this world sees you. Maybe as an outcast, not good enough, unworthy of his love. No, he sees you for who he made you to be specifically. What's your name here? Yeah, your name. Kylie. Kylie, I want to encourage you tonight that God sees you in a different light than this world. See, that God doesn't see you as just a person on this planet, but his perfect creation that he has made for a plan and a purpose I want you guys to hear this, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life tonight. 
He invites you to, I want, to, I want us to take time tonight, we're going to do this in a little bit, but I want us to take time to, to ask God and then ask him to invite us into his eyesight about us, of how he sees us and the plans he has. And I'm excited for that, but I want to keep going, okay, a little bit more. And as I said, there's two perspectives that I want us to dive into of how God sees. There's two perspectives that I want us to really to check out, okay? So as we just talked about is that God invites us into a heavenly perspective, right? Because he sees everything. He sees the way. He sees like when we didn't see there was a way. He sees the plan and the purpose that he has for your life and our lives. But so many times, I think as Christians and as believers and maybe even as non-believers, we get this idea that God is way up here, right? We think God is up in the heavens and I'm down here and he's got his magnifying glass. And he's like, oh, that's cool. Look at my followers down there. Look at my little ants on the anthill. And I want to encourage you guys tonight that God sees from your perspective as well. That's point number two, is that God sees from your perspective. So much of the time, like as I said, is we, we just think he's this guy, this, this, this big guy way up here. That he only sees it from way out here, from this far out perspective. That God only has this heavenly perspective. That he doesn't see things the way I see them. We sometimes have these moments with God where like, like God, you had to be there. You, you weren't there when, I, when this happened. You weren't there in the pain that I suffered. You weren't there in the moments where I felt invisible. We have these almost you had to be there moments with God. Maybe we say, I know that you're all powerful. I know that you're all awesome. I know that you see a way. I know that you have a plan and purpose for my life. Yeah, that's great. I've, I've heard that in church my whole life. I've got a plan and a purpose for my life. But you, you haven't seen what I've gone through. You haven't walked in my shoes, God. What if I told you tonight that he has? What if I told you that God has walked in your shoes for the entirety of your life? What if I told you tonight that God has been there for every single moment of your life? Not just, the, not just like the world, because God has been there from the beginning and the end, but I want us to, to bring this onto a smaller scale of our personal lives, is that God has been there for your individual lives every single moment. Anybody ever heard the word omnipresent before? Anybody ever heard that word? Okay. Um, the Greek word omni, at the beginning of this, it means all or every, okay? So God is an omnipresent God, meaning he is all present, every present. So in all moments, in every moment, God has been there. That's who God is. We see this all through scripture. Jeremiah 23, 24. This is what it says. It says, can anyone hide from me in a secret place? I am, not, am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth, says the Lord? Another translation says, do I not fill the heavens and the earth? What does to fill mean? It means to take up all the space, right? It means to take all the space. So he fills the heavens and the earth. Proverbs 15.3 says, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, observing the wicked and the good. See, we see this, that God is an omnipresent God. This blows my mind. It means that God is everywhere, all at once, all the time. Can you guys let that sink in for a sec? That God is everywhere all at once, all the time. God is in this room tonight. He's in heaven right now. He's with you at your school. He's with you on the football field. He's with you at your theater performance. He's with you in your strife that maybe you're facing with your family right now. He's with you. He's there. He's, he's always has and always will because that's who he is. As we serve a God who is present. We serve a God that strives relationship with us. That's why he sent his son down to be with us, to, to take away the separation that we had so there was no barrier between us and him anymore. God doesn't just call us to follow him and it's like, okay, that's cool, we follow God and maybe someday we'll get to see him up in heaven when we get there. That's absolutely not how he works. He is a present God who desires relationship with us. And in that, he sees every single thing that we face. 
He knows where you're at today. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're going through. And I want to go back to Genesis chapter 16, verses 11 through 12. What does he say? It says, The angel of the Lord said to her, You have conceived and you will have a son and you will name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. See, no one, no one thought about this girl in the story at this point. Abram and Sarai, they're just like, whatever, just get her out of here. And God's like, hey, I heard what you went through. I know that was tough. And I'm here for you. I'm here for you, Hagar. He tells her that what she's going through is hard, but that he was there to comfort her. I want to hop over to Revelation tonight. If you guys want to go there with me, grab out your Bibles. We're going to be looking at when John is writing these letters to the churches of encouragement of sometimes as Christians, as following God, how many of you guys know that sometimes following God can be hard? Anybody, it's like, it can feel a little lonely, right, in our world right now. And that's kind of what happens here in Revelation is that God is, he's giving them encouragement. He's like, hey, I know what you're going through. I know what you have faced, okay? So let's, let's hop into this, okay? Revelation chapter two, verses two through four. It says, I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name and have not grown weary. Let's hop down to verses 9 through 10. It says, I know your affliction and poverty, but you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews or not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison to test you. And you will experience affliction for 10 days. Be faithful to the point of death and he will give you the crown of life. Revelations 2, 13. It says, I know where you live, where Satan's throne is. Yet you were holding on to my name and did not deny your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas. For my faithful witness, who was put to death among you, where Satan lives. What do we see in all these passages here? It says, I know, I, I see, I know what you guys are going through. Because God does see. He knows what we're facing tonight. He knows exactly the hard things that we're going through right now. And he's here for us. And that's what's so beautiful about the God that we serve is that, and he is all-powerful, he is almighty, he is over all. But man, he, he is in those little moments with us. He, he comes to us to give us this comfort that we see in scripture. He knows the afflictions that we're facing and the battles that we're going through. And God's saying, hey, I'm here for you. I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through and I'm gonna, I'm gonna provide a plan because I want you to know that I have a plan and a purpose for this situation. Guys, I want you to hear this, is that God sees you where you're at. That he sees you all the way up from heaven, from this, this high out perspective of, man, I got a plan and a purpose to further my kingdom for this child here. But he says, I also see them on the personal level. I see them right where they're at. And he wants to bring you into that. He wants to bring you comfort tonight. He doesn't want us to continue to feel alone and invisible to this world. He doesn't want us to continue to be walking through our faith as Christians as, like, just invisible. He wants us to feel like, man, we have the Lord of the universe on our side and that we know who we are created by. Did you guys know that God's the best Where's Waldo player there ever was? You guys ever played that when you were little? You're like going through the book and you're like, where's Waldo? And it takes you like six hours to find it. I, or I was just really bad. Maybe that was me. But see, the, the thing about God, as we just talked about, is that he's everywhere all at once. He's omnipresent, right? So this is what happens when we feel like we're just lost, invisible in the mixture of this world and the, the hustle and the bustle and the trying to fit in, whatever it is. Guess what God says? He's like, oh, there you are, my precious son. My precious daughter, he doesn't take six hours to try and find you. He knows right where you're at at all times. I think it's amazing. In a world right now that we're living in that strives so much to be seen, would you guys agree with me that we live in a world that everyone is just trying everything they can possibly do to be seen? And our whole lives right now just feel like 
everything we try to do is so that others see how great we are, see the things in our life, because I feel like we're in an insecure world right now that feels like we have to gain acceptance for everybody else. How many of us have to post on Instagram and TikTok and whatever we post on to get people to see us? How many of us feel like maybe we have to win some award or win the game, score all the points, whatever it is, so that God can see us? Maybe it's finding a relationship in a boy or a girl so that we find someone that sees us. Anybody ever done that? I totally have. I'm like, I need someone to see me. Let's see if I can find a girlfriend, right? I don't know, that's like terrible thinking, but it's true. A lot of us do that as we're striving to be seen by this world right now. I want to invite the worship team up tonight as we begin to just kind of close and go through this. If you got nothing out of tonight, this is the one thing I want you to hear, though. Is I want you to hear that the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is overall the creator of all things, he sees you tonight. He does. And I know in our Christian world, You've probably heard that so many times. Anybody ever heard that God sees you? Yeah. I feel like we've heard it all the time. It's such a, it can become such a cliche statement. But tonight, I want us to, to enter in really into the complexity and just how amazing that statement is. Is that God sees you individually. There is like 8 billion people on this planet and he knows every single one of you. He knows you tonight. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're facing. He knows that he has a plan and a purpose for you. He sees you. And I want you all to hear this tonight is that we don't have to do anything more to try and get God to see us. I want to encourage you that we don't have to do anything to try and get God to see us more than he already does. Is that he doesn't see us more clearly when we're perfect, when we have it all together, when things are going good in life. He doesn't see us more. It's just not true. Is that God has the same perspective of us at all times. He sees us the same way all the time. And that's that we are his children, that he is a proud father of his creation that is good because we are a good creation, that God created us. In the highs, he sees you. In the lows, he sees you. I want you to to let that sink in is that, man, when life is going good, God sees you. But he doesn't see you any more than when you're in the lows. There is no difference in how he sees you. He sees you as his child. He sees you as as someone he has a plan and a purpose for. And so as we close tonight, as we enter into this time of prayer and worship, as Mateo was saying, I just feel like there's, there's a time tonight that we maybe need to do some healing in our hearts of where we felt invisible in this world, where maybe we have felt like no one sees us. I know it's uh, Suicide Prevention Month, and I, or Suicide uh, Awareness Month, and I, one of the biggest things about suicide is, is not feeling like you're seen, feeling alone. And tonight, I want to encourage you guys, is that if you're struggling with your identity, feeling alone, feeling like no one sees you, I want you to come into the presence of a father who does see you. I want you to come into the presence tonight and worship with God to understand and see a God that sees you, to to gain some perspective of how God sees you. To be able to enter into his presence and ask, hey God, how do you see me tonight? See, just like Hagar in the desert, God sees the great plans he has for you. He sees the way forward, but he also sees you where you're at and he he wants to encourage you. He wants to bring you some healing tonight. And so, will you guys, will you stand up with me tonight? And uh, I want to encourage you guys, there's leaders all around the room. If you just, if you need time to just pray and to talk, and if you're feeling like, man, I just feel so invisible in this world. I know there's so many people in this room that want to assure you that you are not. But ultimately, there's one that is assuring us all tonight, and that's God. 
that's the Alpha and the Omega, that he is here tonight to assure us that, man, you aren't invisible right now, that he sees you, every single one of you. If I could point at you and say all of your names, I would. I, I'm new here, so I don't know all your guys' names, but he, he knows all of you tonight. So you guys bow your heads with me and open up your hands. Father God, we just invite you in. Where we're in a world that feels like we have to do everything to be seen by you, we just, God, we just pray that we can enter into your presence and just feel um, how you see us, God. Tell us how you see us tonight. Give us some fresh perspective of the situations that you're, that you're moving in our lives right now. Help us to see who you are and how you see us as well. And God, we just, we pray that you just give us comfort tonight and that you heal some hearts of, of some of us in this room that maybe feel like the world doesn't see us and the people around us don't see us, but help us understand that there's truly only one person that's important that sees us and that's you. That if, if we know that you see us, God, we can get through anything in this life. So God, we just give you all the glory, all the honor. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.